Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories podcast. Today is episode two, and I had the opportunity to talk to Delane and Quinn Griffin about their time spent on the 50 Mile Mountain. Thanks for agreeing to let me interview you today. I'm excited to hear some of the stories that you have. I don't know a lot about your history. I feel bad about that. I feel like I should know more, but do you mind just telling me a little bit about your childhood, or where you grew up, what your family did? Yeah, we, um, my family had sheep, and I, I grew up the sheep herd. And uh, after, well, during the World War, I, um, uh, the, all the herders were drafted. And so most of the sheepmen changed to cut cattle. So, so Anyway, I grew up uh, in the sheep herd. Okay. And where did they run their sheep at? We run them out uh, up on the mountain, up Jacob's Valley, in the summertime. And in the wintertime, we... Uh, uh, I was down, down the desert on the Spencer. Okay. So I guess I don't understand why they switched from sheep to cattle because of the war. Was there just not enough help for the sheep? Or there wasn't any help. So they thought it would be easier to run yeah. cows instead? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, they used, used to say they run sheep for a living, and they run cattle for respect. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that before. (laughs) I heard there was more money in the sheep. Was that true? Well, you had two crops. Hmm. So you had had the lambs that that were sold in the fall, and then uh, in the spring, when they sheared the sheep, uh, yeah, they the had the wool. Oh, okay. That's cool. So were you were you able to run the cattle in the same spots as you did the sheep? Was it yeah. a pretty easy yeah. transition? Yeah, most, most of them had both. Yeah, I remember uh, shearing the sheep. I did a lot of... A lot of, as I grew up as a teenager, I did a lot of wrangling at, at the yeah. shearing uh, 
were you able to sell the wool here locally, or did you have to sell it? No, they they sacked it and uh, shipped it out. Okay. Back they hauled it to Marysville. Was that so? That a train ran through there, right? Is yeah. that why they'd send yeah. it there? Uh huh. And then put it on the train. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I can remember and still still remember how how it smelled. The Wilson flags. How it smelled. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What'd you like better, the cows or the sheep? Oh, it, the only thing with sheep, you you got to stay stay with them all, all the time. Cattle, you don't do that. Huh. You you put them in the summer <coughs> and then in the fall. Yeah. In the early days, uh, they would all go together hauling the wool down to Marysville in wagons and take three days to get there. Uh, and then it, it actually, they stayed over at Animoni someplace the first night and it snowed that night. And then they went into Marysville, sold the wool, and uh, back then baseball was the main sport. And so they they fielded a team against Marysville and played a baseball game. Really? And then they came home. <laughs> That's kind of cool. So you you grew up basically tending sheep or tending cows, one of the uh, yeah. one or the other. Yeah, sheep and uh, tending cows after the war was over. Okay. So, who were who were some of the guys <clears throat> that you learned from or looked up to in that industry? Yeah, I suppose so. They were older, and you know we always look up to the old ones. All of them. Yeah, all the time. Respect the. Usually, what they say goes. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I feel like that's becoming a lost art. That should still yeah. be applicable today. Anyway, <laughs> did yeah. you always know that you kind of wanted to do that same thing in your life, or? Yeah, I I enjoyed. Uh, of course, we had the cattle set up on the fifty and. And uh, on the desert, I was a uh, an engineer for the government uh, at that time. We had an opportunity to to buy okay. the saddle, the the cattle saddle, so the setup I, on the fifty. Uh -huh. Okay. Went up on the fifty. Yeah. How old were you when that opportunity came up? Oh, that was uh, not too long ago. I I uh, was a surveyor for for the government for sixteen years. Okay. And then. Uh, and we got an opportunity 
to buy the cattle set up and so I quit and we went into cattle business. Cool. Tell, tell us about the desert permit that you had. The desert permit? Yeah, what did you have to go with the 50 for the winter time? Oh. Uh, we had, uh, first we had, we had the other side of the 50 down Rock Creek and... Like the Grand Bench and, area? Yeah, okay. in that area. Then uh, eventually on the, just this regular desert. Okay, we had, we had Hole in the Rock and... Yeah, around the Hole in the Rock and... and so we had both sides? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Then we sold that to Bill Neal, and so we were all just on the Esplanade side for the winter. So you sold the other side. Mm -hmm. Okay. And at one point we owned right there at uh, <coughs> Dancehall Rock South. We had all that. Okay. And then if you drew a line right up on the bench and right up on top of the 50, we had all that. Now, at the end of the 50, that you see from town is not the end. It turns and goes another five miles towards Navajo. Okay. So, yeah. I heard there's a lot more country once you get yeah once you get up over there back yeah. that way. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of history on the fifty. The Indians, <coughs> Navajos, <coughs> when they'd come up trade, they usually come. In the fall, I talked to them why they always chose fall. And they said that's when the, the the river was the lowest. Okay. Well, so would they come to Escalante to trade? So, so that makes sense. They, they always come up trade. Uh, uh, Did they, they stay? the uh, blankets and everything they had. They stay at. They stayed at Grandpa's house, your house? Huh? Did the Navajos stay at your place? Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, at first they stayed uh, a block away from west of us. That's uh, John Mack's place. I used to uh, go, I have to go past there. Yeah, when I got out of school, I always stopped and listened to the trading and That's and cool. Huh. Yeah, they're pretty smart. They, they, uh, they made you think that they only had one interpreter. <laughs> The that rest, is smart. <laughs> the rest didn't talk in mm -hmm. no English, but they understood everything, and so, so when they come to trading, they they knew all about the horses that mm -hmm. they was trading off, and how old they were, and everything. 
So did you guys do a lot of horse trading personally with them, or? Uh, well, I, I did trade uh, 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 Colt and uh, our uh, Marin Colt for uh, Lynn. That's where he got his saddle. Lynn got his saddle from that? Mm-hmm. Cool. We traded the horse for the saddle. Yeah. Oh. Lynn is your brother. Yeah, younger brother. So was it your, when you bought the 50 and you had the opportunity to do that, was it like your brothers who helped you or were your kids old enough to help you at that point or? Oh yes. Who were the original owners of the 50? Uh, I mean, you and who else? Oh, says me and my brother Gene. We built that cabin there. That okay, who else? Who else was in with you besides Gene? Cecil, his brother Cecil. His brother. So you and Gene and Cecil mm -hmm. got together and bought it. Yeah. Well, me and me and uh, Cecil we'd. Uh, We'd worked for Bailey's and everything, so we knew all about the area and everything. Okay. And so we, we didn't just go in blind. Yeah, that's we smart. Knew, we knew what we was doing. So who did you buy it from? From uh, Bailey's. Gail. Okay, Gail from Bailey. Gail. Gail Bailey. Okay, yeah. cool. So... How old were you when that happened? Were you? In 1969, and I was graduated from high school that year. So did you help them out quite a bit up there? As much as a dude could. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first experience. Of, I'd always loved horses and everything, but I had never ridden very much. So that was, I mean, when I had to rope something, I had to tie the reins in a knot and put the gloves in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and hope the horse would follow the calf so I could use both hands. So, and I, I mean, I started from ground zero. My dad, he he was working down there when I was born, back in 51. He says that he saw a cloud in the sky that was a booty, a little boot on a uh -huh. baby. And, and so he said, I've got to go. My, my baby's been born. My mom was in Provo. When you were born. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he left and rode off and then he came to I was, when I was born. That's was, way cool. Uh -huh. I was riding for for uh Bailey then and everything. And, and as I was driving some cattle along got them on the road, I happened to look up and I could see the clouds form a booty. And right away, I, because I knew she, she was pregnant mm -hmm. you know, and was close. That's why she was in Provo. Her folks lived in Provo. And okay. so that's where she was. That's me. Anyway. So what was so appealing to you to, to buy it in the first place when the opportunity came up? Did you just love it from working for Bailey's or was it an opportunity well, to be an Well, it was excellent? exciting to, to, to be able to, 
to, to ride on the 50. Um, have cattle and so on, and that's, that's when we built up. Me and Jean uh, decided that we, we was tired of setting up a tent every time we went out. <laughs> So we decided that we'd build us a permanent. Smart. We drug uh, uh, poles, cranky uh, uh, poles. What is it, about a mile or two? Yeah, about a mile, mile, mile and a half. Mile and a half. Above the horse pasture. Yeah. We learned uh, to hook, uh, uh, we had to a little chain that we wrapped around the pole. You, and we learned that to pull, put it on the small end. And the reason for that, when you pull that, the heavy end, dragon, forced the, the small end up so we could get through the brush. Okay, cool. How long did it take you to build it from start to finish? That sounds oh, like quite a project up there. Well, I guess we must have, must have drug poles a couple of years, didn't we? <laughs> they had some pack horses. They would, they would uh, hook a pole to each pack horse and get them up to a little flat spot up out of the grove, the little quaky grove, and start them for home, which would be the horse pasture. Mm -hmm. So they could drag those three, and then whatever riders they were, they could dally up and take a pole. So they could drag six poles. At a time. At a time. So they would go ride, and then when they was heading back, if the if they weren't all needed to take care of the cattle, then they'd, they'd go and get a pole. And, drag it in. That's cool. Yeah. Then they got it up to the square. It wasn't tall enough because I would hit my forehead oh. going in the door. <laughs> <laughs> when we run out of time. Yeah, I got into winter. Thing. So I went down. There was a there was an old uh, station. What kind of, where did you get the two befores? What was the old station and old they, uh, them two before, uh, four before. The two befores that came. And two before. Uh huh. They, uh, uh, they were left over from, uh, developing the springs. Wasn't there some? The yeah, that's the four before. But the two buys come from a tower. What was the tower? Oh. Yeah, they had a tower that uh, the surveyors uh, built it up high enough tower. so they could look out over the trees. And was that on top? And, uh, that was on the, on on top. So it then they it, so it was old. Them two fours were old. We went up. Dad went up and took out the part, and then we used those to make the rafters. Okay. Yeah, because everything had to be packed up horseback, and when we 
so we, I went down, it was during a deer hunt when I went down and, and nailed the <laughs> rafters together. And uh, <laughs> I asked Dad if he had nails down there, and he said, oh, yeah, I've got lots of nails. When I got down there, I had a bunch of these little finished nails, really small. <laughs> so I toenailed and put those together, and I said, now, don't hang anything from that until I get some bigger nails up here. Well, it rained, and, and they gathered up the tent, and they hung a tent from the middle, and so that the roof sagged in the middle. <laughs> now, all the paintings that Uncle Lynn does, he always puts that sag inside. Oh, that's and, and awesome. Kept, yeah. There would be a little sag. It won't be a straight line. There would be a little sag. He, mm. he puts that in all the, all the paintings. So did you always get blamed for that sag yeah, now? Yeah, you get blamed for the sag. And then, then they had to pack the, the plywood up. We, we'd take it up what they call, we call it the lake trail. And uh, they, they cut the plywood in half lengthwise. So you had a two foot by eight foot piece. That you would try to... Yeah, and so there's places that you had to ride, but then you had to manipulate the brush and everything. Yeah. So it didn't, because if it got caught, then you'd push it yeah. off. Or the wind did. Yeah. The wind would catch it. Once it got on top, there's always a little right breeze up. right there. And so if you lifted it up too much, why then? I'm scared to even go up the trail on a horse. I, t I always <laughs> tell everybody that I'll lead them up. Yeah, there's, there's places that we always led. There yeah. were times when the trail, we, we kept, you had to work on the trail all the time. There was times when we could actually ride that particular trail all the way to the top. Yeah. But but usually we got off and walked. Somebody rented one of Louis Bernardo's horse. Oh, really? And uh, and they tipped it over, killed it. And so that became a, an expensive horse. For them. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Were you able to rent very many yeah. after that? <laughs> I was up to Santa Quin, Utah one time doing some entertainment. And, uh, and I was telling them about the 15. I said, 13 horses died on that trail. In the back of the crowd, I heard, 14. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy had come down with his buddies, and they had a young horse, a two-year-old. And, and that's what happened to him. He fell off. Gosh. Now, the lower trail down by the soda, there was, there was only one that we know of, and that was a mule. And they were experienced, it was an experienced guy that come hunt every year, but there was a young mule forced a, an older mule off, and it, it fell. But the lake trail had more drop-offs. Now, Dad had a horse that he just barely bought and took the lower trail up, and when they were, we come to some rock jump-ups, uh, there was a wall about... Oh, maybe four feet high, and then then it made a turn to the left and back around to the right. Dad's knees were starting to bother him then. He was in his late sixties, and he started up, and he just he didn't want to get trumped, so he hustled up there, and that horse hesitated a bit, and Dad made the turn, which brought the reins back around even to the high spot. Okay. The horse tried it, but he couldn't make it. Gosh. And he rolled back actually between me and my horse, and he he went down backwards. And he rolled off, but it was a, it wasn't a sheer drop. It was a, a slower drop, or a more a gradual. But the horse would go over backwards and come up to his feet and scramble, and then he'd go over backwards and come back up and scramble. About the third time when he got up to his feet, then he just started grazing. He was okay. Really. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wow. But that was that was toward the end when, but but it wasn't a, a sheer drop off. Yeah. Like like yeah. on the other trail. That's why I'm going to walk up the first time <laughs> I go. <laughs> well, we haven't. Uh, those trails haven't been maintained for a dozen years, and so they're not, <laughs> at least on our end, they're not as good as they used to be. Yeah. Nobody uses those much anymore. Did those trails ever scare you, or did you handle them okay? Well, we we were used to, especially me. Used to, I'm used to climbing the ledges. He has no fear of heights. Yeah. Uh, Good for you. <laughs> um, I'd uh, get in those monkey houses. We come <laughs> off the lower trail once, and uh, it was in the winter time. And uh, actually, when uh, you get about eight inches of snow, and it melts during the day, and then it freezes, it, it's actually easier to go up. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you don't have the drop-offs that are just kind of level, and and it's frozen, so it, it holds your horse when he steps. We would use ice nails and stuff sometimes. Wow. We come off one time. Ralph Schnoff from Henryville was with us. He was he went down first. We brought some cattle off. And the top of the lower trail is really steep. And cattle, when they go off, they pack it because they just slide. And uh, so I looked down. <clears throat> I was the third man coming off, and I could see Ralph on his hands and knees in front of his horse sliding on his hands and knees down to the turn. And his horse was, not, was sliding as well, not moving his legs at all. His horse was sliding. Ralph was sliding. And he got down to the turn, and then here's Dad's horse come sliding, oh, no. and I couldn't see Dad. Pretty soon there's a big rock, and I see a couple arms come up over a rock right there. And that horse had slid down and hit him, and knocked him off the trail, and he'd caught himself on this big rock, and then pulled himself. Oh back my up. gosh! And I had some boots from Cabela's. I thought, bah, no problem. I walked down there, and my feet went out from under me, and I just started scrambling. My horse just slid. And they probably slid as far as, <clears throat> well, probably a little lo a little farther than the length of these two rooms. Holy cow! And, and seriously, the horses never moved a foot. They just they just slid down, and it was the trail was kind of down a little bit, so just kind of like one of those little marble game things. And everybody was just <laughs> sliding, but I was just on my hands and just trying to stay ahead of my horse. But that it, paints a good picture. That's one time he went off. <laughs> but it rained, and then it freeze, and then, yeah, then a little snow. And, it, and it, it was slick. There was one other time, i got to tell this story, because I got to see all this. Uh -huh. We'd come off the trail, and he had an old horse called Nevada. And they'd, he was an old barrel horse, a running horse, and they'd uh, pin-fired him. Okay. So he was a little numb. He never would stumble when he was running, but he'd stumble when he was walking. And anyway, going down the hill, about the same place, he bumped Dad. <laughs> I remember Dad going over to the edge, and then he was making like a bird. His arms were just <laughs> flapping back and forth, trying to get his balance. And that's because that horse had bumped him. And I couldn't hold back. <laughs> and I still remember him skylined out there, just flapping his arms, trying to keep him going off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Did you ever have to bring any cattle off of that when it was that icy? Yeah, we'd bring, we'd, the cattle would move, they would migrate to the south, and, and that's the trail we, well, the lower trail is when we brought them off, and that's the one we traveled most. The, the, the lake trail was, uh, they tried to bring some off the lake trail once. It was you and Cecil and Gene, mm-hmm. about nine head. You want to tell that story? That's when we lost 13. 13. 13 heads. Yeah. Because the cows couldn't, they couldn't uh, we, we did save 14, but but we lost 13. And one reason we lost them was bad judgment on one of the brothers. One brother said to the other one, you better listen to him because he's he's telling the truth. He, he knows what can happen. I wanted to go to the lower trail. Which is another five miles. Okay. Yeah. But he, because it was so far, he didn't want to go. Anyway, the decision was made to go off. Okay. And that was 13 heads slid off. Killed. And that was the lake trail. And so... When it started to snow, we, we didn't use that trail. Too slick, too dangerous. You'd always go to the lower? Go to the lower one. Even if we had to go up on top and ride clear up to the cabin, which we did yeah. time two. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. When we got the cabin built, then we needed some, some of them Army Spring beds. So you had to figure out how to pack those up yeah. there? We packed each one of us, me and Cecil and Gene. And I remember when we got them up there. And we was laying down resting on the beds. And uh, and I remember one, one of the brothers said, if I had to do this again, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet he was glad that you did it that time to have him up there. We had yeah. Bill Coons make a a stove, wood burning stove for us, out of heavier stuff. It was, it was heavy. The old sheep herder stoves were made out of tin from old cars. Oh, okay. In fact, Dad made made one of them with just a hammer and a chisel. And you could bake, you could bake your sourdough bread or cook on top. Well, we had Bill Coons make one. It's quite heavy, and we were all worried about getting that up. And uh, weighed ninety pounds. Uh, and then you can't, you can't. You'd have to put it on top of the back. You can't put it on the side. Yeah. So Gene had a little racehorse he liked that he packed, and. Uh, <clears throat> so he he said I can I can get it up. And of course we were yeah that's great. <laughs> you go, go for man. It. <laughs> anyway he uh, he put that pack on top and he put a bunch of tarps and stuff on the sides to to level it. And, and, and then he packed foam it. foam uh, uh, mattresses. Mattress. Oh, is that what he used? Yeah. And he he got it up there. But yeah. but you could bake a cake in seven minutes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> These old boys, they like their cake. <laughs> Sounds like you ate pretty good up there. <laughs> yeah, no. 
the boys, Neil and and Clayton, I guess, was they they was always up there with us, and uh, they was always making cake. <laughs> okay. We went up one time, Dad and I and Jason, and when he got ready to make, got the sourdough bread made and got potatoes and the Dutch oven and everything, Dad discovered that he'd left the cookies in the truck. Oh. And this was after dark. So we ate, and he laughed and went out and caught his horse. It was after dark. And sadly, the horse said, well, where are you going? He says, I believe we're going to need those cookies. <laughs> so he went off in, in, in the dark and came up in the dark, got back about 10.30. It'd take an hour to get up. You're not scared, are you? <laughs> we went down and got those cookies. <laughs> I think we might have the same kind of sweet tooth. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. sweet, too. Would you have to pack all of your food and everything up there, or would you try to, like, live on buck meat and sourdough, or what would you what would you live on? Well, we had sourdough all the time. <laughs> yeah. Tell them about the two biscuits. The biscuits, so sometimes when you make sourdough, we'd put flour out and pour the sourdough in the middle. Okay. Sometimes little pieces of dough would get in the flour and let it dry. So he takes a couple of grandsons up there, and they're kind of finicky eaters anyway, and he's mixing the dough. And he, he saw one of them little crusty pieces, and so he just flipped it off and said something about... Uh, weevil. Weevil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, weevil. Just trying to mess off, with them. Throws it off to the side. <laughs> so he mixes up the sourdough, and and then when they start to eat, he notices his grandsons, they won't eat the biscuits. <laughs> so he butters, he reaches over and butters the biscuit and sets it on the plate. You know. Now we had a kind of a long window on the side in the summer, we prop that open. <laughs> and so... He goes outside to get some wood or something. Oh, I throw the dishwater oh, out. Oh, he went out and throw the dishwater out, and he looked around, and biscuits went flying out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> they thought it was weevil. They weren't yeah. going to Yeah, all them biscuits come flying out of the window. <laughs> well, we, we would leave the sourdough jug up there during the winter. And Smart. As long as you didn't. As long as it wasn't orange, orange would kill you. <laughs> but then we'd uh, you'd scrape everything, and clean it out, but you wouldn't wash it out. There'd be enough because it was cold. There'd be enough dough on the side. Okay. You could scrape that off and mix it and get going. Yeah. The unfortunate part is the dough would usually get really good when you was coming off. We'd we'd take a Friday and a Sunday or a Monday off. Usually we'd have three or four days. And by the time we'd get ready to come off, the dough would be working really good. Oh, it'd smell good. That'd be gold bubbles in it. Just really good. And we'd have to leave it. Oh. <laughs> but sometimes Dad would pack. He'd bring it in and, and mix it and get it going good for you. Go down. And when he'd go up, he always packed a, a nose sack on, on his saddle. And he'd just slide that. We had the, those plastic jugs with the white mouth. Uh-huh. That's what we did our dough. We did do it in Crocs because it'd break. Yeah. So <clears throat> that made a pretty good sourdough jug. And then he'd just go out and get a service berry 
uh, whittle a big long stick like that to mix it with, and then then we'd have a good sourdough right from the get go. So that was good. Had a lot of sourdough up there. <laughs> Except for the grandsons, they did. How many head of cows could you run up there? We had three hundred. Three hundred twenty-seven. Huh? Three hundred and twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. When it was time to wean the calves and everything, would you would you wean them on top, or would you bring them off to wean bring, them, or how did you do that? We'd bring them off. We'd bring them off in the in the fall. We wouldn't leave them on top. We'd come off on the we come off on the bench. Okay. And we'd yeah. wean right there at the bench corral. Now the generation of cowboys before would take their cows and uh, shove them off on the, down underneath what they called Moki Pasture and Rock Creek. Rock Creek and stuff. And then they would keep the calves with a few cows in that horse pasture on top. Okay. And wean them that way. Then they'd take them off and usually have to drive them through town, but with oh. trucks. We wouldn't go off the Willow Tank Road, that was pretty steep. We'd, we'd go back uh, about five miles to the road that came up the bench and, and haul them up that way. Okay. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd have done that for Bailey's uh, before we bought the outfit. So you kind of knew the program so that they I, had. So I knew a little bit about it. Hmm. Yeah. Do you, this is a question that I kind of like to ask everyone, but do you feel like the Cowboys today are as good as the ones from the past, or how do you think that they have changed through the years? Well, there's two types. One is is it at the rodeo. They're a, they're a different different type because they 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 haven't uh, they don't do this same thing. Yeah. So they're not a different. I think uh, I think the cowboys don't have the opportunity, probably not like the we did. Yeah. yeah, I mean there's some there's some there's some a lot of good ranchers. Your dad and JS they've had a lot of cattle before, maybe not on the fifty, but you had to learn there was a certain way to handle cattle up there too, and, and break them to lead and lead them off sometimes. Yeah. But there's cowboys today here in Escalante can that could. I mean, I, if I could do it, anybody could, I guess, in my attitude. But, but I had to learn how. I had to learn how to lead them. And we started chasing early. And my oldest son, we tied a, we rolled up a rug and, and tied a cross in front of him and when he was about 11. So when we got running and chasing, and we always put the kids, Dad was always good to give up his own horse and, and have the grandkids ride the, good the horse. best horse you had. Because he always said, if you want something done, you got to put a kid on a good horse. Yeah. 
and our horses were no nonsense. I mean, you, by the time you get down and climb up the trail, it was all business. We didn't have horses that yeah. drift off. Then you don't have to take care of the kid, the horse. The horse, the horse will do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. neat to have a horse like that that you can trust yeah. with yeah. your kids. Yeah. Well, all of our horses were that way. They, you'd maybe think uh, sometimes the way we was using them that they wouldn't turn out to to do that, but they but they did. Yeah. They done everything. Is when, there? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, when we would bring kids up, we'd put a kid on a horse and say, "Stay on the horse." get off. So even that steep trail where horses lost, we we trusted those horses enough to make the kids stay yeah. on the horse. And the horse would get them up there. We didn't have to worry. Because they knew they could uh, we would always, there's always certain places that you could stop the pass <laughs> so you weren't on an incline. Sometimes the back guy would say, move a little more or something. and then yeah. So everything could park in a, in a restful because one thing horses don't like to do is, especially new horses, they don't like to rest on an incline. They'll spin around yeah. and try to try to leave. So, so those old horses would would stop. They wouldn't crowd. They would try to pass. And, and, and those things were what got other horses killed. But we trusted those horses enough. As I look back, you could put your kid on there and, and then go. Yeah. And that when you stopped. Maybe your pack horse would be behind you, and then your kid would be back there, and that, that horse would stop. He wouldn't crowd or get himself in trouble. In my opinion, I think that is one of the coolest things ever about a good horse, yeah. is that they mm -hmm. they know where they, their feet are. I feel like they know when a kid's on them, yeah. so they'll yeah. take good care of them, and I, yeah, they, I love they that. They know the difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and those yeah. little horses were. I feel like yeah. I've definitely been grateful for the horses that my dad put me on <laughs> yeah, as a little kid because they, they made sure to take care of me. Yeah. Is there any particular horse that comes to mind when you think of the good ones? Well, there's a good one right there. What was he? What was his name? Tell a bit about that horse, what his name was and where he came from. Uh, and horses named Orville. Every Orville. Um, well, in English, in Esclani, it's Arville. Arville. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. What made him so special? How was he bred and stuff? Well, he's uh, he's part uh, Mustang and uh, thoroughbred. He's out of a thoroughbred mare that Bailey's. That he didn't have any Morgan in him? And uh, his sire had, mo oh, Morgan, had Morgan blood. Had, yeah. yeah. And he ran wild on the, de on the desert for a while, didn't he? Yeah. It was a colt uh, uh, out of a stallion that uh, uh, Leo Wilson had. Leo Wilson had. Yeah. Yeah. And Gail, he was Gail Bailey's horse. Okay. Dad bought him at the grand old price, which was top dollar in those days, $300. Cool. You could get a good side horse, 300 bucks back then. Yeah. 
I heard Gail and Charlie raised some pretty good horses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're horse people. Yeah, yeah old Charlie. Did you lead a lot of cows on him? Yeah. You can see I'm leading one right there. Sometimes yeah. you could lead two. The one good thing about that that horse and uh, the, they uh, uh, one group well, when Orville and them owned him they didn't have any hay or anything and so they stake him out on the ditch bank. He'd clean the the clean the, the uh, banks off and do a good job. <laughs> so he always had a rope around his feet and stuff. Okay. And he he, he was used to it. Yeah, he wouldn't get himself tangled up or hurt. Yeah, he, I'd be riding him and leading one, and and the one I'm leading tried to get away and I'd run around behind. And get the rope under the tail. The people that was with me, they they was worried when they seen that. <laughs> I said, "No, nah, it, it won't, don't bother him." Cool. Because he'd been tangled up in that rope on the ditch bank. Yeah. And he knew that how to to what to do. Did you? So we wouldn't get hurt. You could haul deer on him. Just uh, cut their heads off, and so we didn't eat the horns in those days. We just ate meat, <laughs> cut a hole in the red, and put it over the side of the horn, and ties, you know, ties knees down. And he didn't care. No, he didn't. <laughs> so yeah. he was pretty good. Yeah. Did you have to lead a lot of cattle, or just oh, every once yeah, in a while, or? We roped a lot of them, tied them up. Some of them, uh, one area on the 50 there, they were awful hard to, to break the lead. That's uh, on that east end there. Because the rain was about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of inbred cattle yeah. on that end, I think. And they, yeah. and they, they yeah. were hard to break the lead. You could lead the, Young ones, but the old ones were tough. Too hard-headed to. Yeah, they pair. just. We we had we were trying to lead a young bull and a cow, and so we decided to neck them together. And uh, <clears throat> we, we laid them down side by side. There's three of us, so we'd manipulate them and tie their legs front and back, cut the horns off, throw the horns stuck out maybe a couple of inches, take your pocket knife and smooth it because they that. It, that scrape your horse bad. Yeah, that sharp end. There. And you'd tie them up to a tree overnight and go back and get them and bring them out. There's, there was a whole knack to do that, but basically we'd lay them down. We laid them down and tied the bull to the neck of the cow. So that's what means necking to the cow. And the cow, when we let them up, we would, uh, the guy would take them he'd be tied, he'd have his rope on the cow. Well, the, the one that was necked to the, the bull in this case would, would lead, but the cow would hang back, hang back. And 
we tried all kinds of things. We had hot shots, all kinds of things. And we would go, so we, we laid them down and switched them. Now, these are full grown. We was in a little narrow trail there and laid them side to side. And so we put the cow on this side. And when we let them up, the cow would go and the bull would. So we ended up shooting the bull. We took the cow, we made it down off a hill and started up and she she gave out on us right there, wouldn't, wouldn't go. And when they'd lay down on you, you'd, uh, the best way to get them back on their feet is another cowboy would come and take his hat off and put it over their nose. And they would jump up and try to get you. Yeah. And, and they'd get them up on their feet and then if they laid down, you'd have to put your hat. I mean, real cream, whatever you call it. <laughs> So that that worked, but, but you had to be careful. You couldn't do it yourself because sometimes you couldn't get on the horse quick enough yeah. to get to you. Yeah. But that's but usually we just let them single file with just one. Did you ever have to lead them off, or would you try to lead them to a crell on top, or would you lead them off the, the trail? Well, we've led some of them off, but you have to be careful because because they can push you off. We would try to, the best scenarios, if you, if you caught them and then you were early enough in the fall that you had other cattle up there, and if you were holding cattle, we would, we would still um, break them to lead, even though, I mean, versus bringing the cows to them, because if you, once you broke a wild one to lead, then he would respect you. He found out he couldn't hurt you. I mean, he'd hit you, and there was your horse horse hated it but they learned to take it yeah. and then once they learned to, to, to get right behind you now you notice how close that one is you give them just enough rope to get around behind so that they were right even with the horse's tail when you were going off when you were, when you were breaking them to lead period when okay. you take them from a tree you get them up we put uh, bull rings or uh, that parachute cord through their nose I was always the nose guy <laughs> and run the rope through the nose because that would keep the nose to your horse otherwise they could turn their head and catch little trees alongside the trail and they'd just jerk your horse and they'd just give your horse right out your horse was worried anyway you were just sweating and watching yeah and so like that picture shows not being dallied to the saddle horn you could you could actually take it off and lead them with your hand after a while but everybody had to stay back the second man was as important as the guy leading because he was the hotshot guy or the man who spooked him. And he would stay back. He'd spook and then drop back. Yeah, spook him and then he'd back off. So the second guy had to know what was going on. Now, when you hit a little low spot and started up, the second man had to be there mm-hmm. to spook him because they didn't like to go uphill and it was hard for your horse to pull him uphill. Uh, so you tried to get the, get the cow to do as much work as the horse. Why that means that when we first take them from a tree, you'd let them, they'd run, hit you, and you'd kind of spin your horse so the horse's butt would push the head away. And then you'd try to get them to run. And you'd and just run go like that. Didn't matter which direction that's going. And then run and run, and eventually you'd get them like that. <laughs> and then you'd try to slow them down. And if you had that through the nose, if it tried to pass you, you could reach down pull their nose up to your leg yeah. so they couldn't get by. But anyway, we'd led, uh, if we could lead them back to the cows, 
and then turn them loose. Then when we drove them off the next day, if they tried to leave, you you could move over and they wouldn't take you. Now you could get wild cattle from up above the horse pasture out to the Spencers, uh, out to Indian Gardens, and bring them all in and put them in a trail. And when you first turn them loose, all of them all would get together and they'd all be right in the front. So we always had to have a man in front to hold them and guys on the side. Yeah. We needed at least three guys. More if you had them. Uh, it's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Are there a lot of wild cows up there when you yeah, were up there? They were because, yeah. uh, and it all started from putting cows down underneath and weaning the big ones on top. I mean, the calves on top. Because you couldn't take your horses down on that side towards Page and it was too steep. But there was water down there in trails. And so they created their own wild cow. Oh, okay. And then they would come up on top, and you try to catch them up on top. So there were always wild cattle to catch. Uh, we would, the first week, we would get 90% of the cattle off, and then the rest of the month, you'd be hunting. Try to, yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't want, we had a lot of fun, so people thought we left cattle out on purpose. We never did. Because if you had gentle cow running with wild ones, then you can get them. And sometimes you'd have to throw gentle cow and break, break into them just to get them away. So what we couldn't rope, we shot. So, but but you have, as long as you have thick trees, I mean, versus this area would be a gentle cow, cattle area where you could have all these trees and canyons would be a wild cow area because they, once they get away from you, they learn. They know, yeah. yeah. And so... And they used to, the old timers did a lot of burning. Uh, there was a couple of big burns just before we sold out and opened up the country and you could, you could handle them. We would, we would catch cows that had calves that were marked, which means we had them in the crowley that are on the desert or up to the lake, and jump them in those trees out the east end and they run. You, you had to rope everything, time to a tree. <laughs> One time we had three cows tied in their calves. They were all marked. They had tags. Calves were all marked. But we didn't have any corrals out there. Had them tied to trees, and then we went. Otherwise, you had to go all the way off. Mm-hmm. And then we'd bring some more cattle. Somebody told them you had to turn them loose, keep the dogs away from calves, get them all together. And then try to go. Yeah. So that's the kind of things I mean by you ask the question, can the cowboys today do that? Absolutely, if they had the opportunity to yeah. learn how to do it. Yeah. Because there's an art form into breaking one to lead with that. We would we would have three guys. We would have guy on the front on the trail, so the guy who was leading who was looking back over his shoulder at the cow could see peripheral vision where the trail was. So he could see that light that rider. Mm-hmm. Then then you had the guy behind who would hang back and then scoot up and spook. I think it's kind of cool to see how fast they can they learn to lead? Oh yeah. Honestly, like yeah. just watching the couple, I've never done it. 
personally, but just watching like my dad and my brothers to yeah. see how quick those cows can pick it up and yeah. and actually go. It's kind of cool to see it happen yeah. in real life. But those East End cattle that he was talking about, they, they put, some of them couldn't pick it up. They were just... Yeah, they, they're inbred. Um, <laughs> so we was trying to rope them and uh, get rid of them. Would Gene and Cecil, would, and all three of you guys, you'd all, yeah. you all would rope and try to get yeah. everything? Oh. We led a cow, Jason and I led a cow for two days from the east end. And the second day, we, we there was a rock trail we got her to. When Where's I, that trail at? I've heard get, of it. It's but. the low trail. When you get down the low trail, straight up from the Salty Trail, go up on top and you go to the corner. The trail doesn't go, it leaves the rim and it goes around about where the corner turns, right back in there. Okay. So the trail goes right by it. It's an old rock trail. We just had tree trunks and there's an old tree, number three tub hanging there. <laughs> okay. Keep them in there. <laughs> but when I went in to get her, she ran at me as hard as she could go. And the horse, he was waiting for the hit. And of course, you spin your horse so the horse doesn't take the first hit. Spin anyway, as soon as the horse or that cow got up to us and slid to a stop, reached over and smelled my boot. Because that's what she's used to. She's used to the horse's tail and my boot. She slammed on the brake, smelled my boot, and just stood there. I reached down, put the rope on the horn, sucked it up tight. And away you went. Away you went. <laughs> so, yeah, some of them, they're pretty sharp. When they learned, once they learn to lead, and, and they can't hurt you. Yeah, you tip the horn. And like he said, use your fucking knockers. Trim the edge. So they and can't get your horse. Sharp edge Did you ever have any wrecks up there doing that or doing anything else? <laughs> oh. Tell them about that cow that uh, jerked your horse down when you old JJ when we was out in uh, Tank Hollow at that time. I don't know why wreck stories are so interesting, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the they're kind Russell, of fun to hear. Russell yeah, yeah. Did you have any of those? You know which one I'm tell talking about? No. Not right now. I don't. Uh, we went out to, uh, it was you and I and Chad. We roped uh, two cows out in a sagebrush flat, and there was a little tree, a little tree we tied her to. Uh -huh. She was just a young cow, and you was on old JJ. Yeah. JJ was a little short neck, mutton withered horse, but smart as a whip. Yeah. To give him any trust, trouble, he'd kick him right between the eyes. But anyway, we, yeah, to get them ready to go, you have to rope their heels and lay them down and tie their feet and then take the rope off the tree and hand it to the guy. And when he's ready, you untie those legs and up he comes and he'll hook and then you run and then and he goes. And we just had a mostly big high sagebrush, but and there's just a little dip and another big height sagebrush slats. Well, after Dad took off, Chad and I gathered up the extra ropes and got on our horses and walked along and we couldn't see him. Now you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> we couldn't see him. I thought, well, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Because a big old flat. Yeah. Well, we got over where this little dip was 
and his horse, the cow was laying on her side on the ground. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now you're okay, right. Okay, you want to tell the rest of the no, story? No, <laughs> the horse was sitting on his butt with his legs up just like a dog sits. Now, horses, that's not comfortable. For yeah. Dad was still in the saddle. Had his feet in the stirrups. The horse was sitting on his butt. Dad was talking to old JJ. Now, it's going to be okay. And he was a, the, the rope, the cow started to hit JJ and he kicked a little early got over the rope and got around his legs and then when the cow sat back that, that took his feet out of under him. So the cow's laying down, the horse is right next to the cow and the rope is around his hind legs so he can't get up. And JJ's not moving. He's just sitting there and dad's talking and to him. And he's just sitting there. On and the he's saddle. still in the saddle. <laughs> and he's talking to that horse and he's sliding the rope around now. JJ is gonna be okay. We're gonna be I don't know what all he was saying to him, but old JJ he wasn't moving. <laughs> <laughs> and we just kind of carefully got up there, and when he got, because we didn't want JJ to move or try to get up with him. And when he got the rope all undone, and I slipped, or I jumped off my horse, went over, got the rope, and got it on my horse, and then, and he slipped out of the saddle and got old JJ. Yeah, and that was the spot where, where I disappeared, and you didn't, yeah, you, you guys didn't know where I was. <laughs> that happened. Uh, that happened to me four times and a couple times a day. It's scary. Your horse goes down, you go backwards, you can't get out. Yeah. And and, uh, and the bull's right there next to you. And he can't get to you because his head is stuck underneath the leg. So you're, you're in this room. <coughs> I, I remember I had a 30 caliber pistol and I had a, had a pretty good sized bull hooked on. And I caught that and it just got out of the saddle, left my horse and got out and then was able to get him untied. But the bull couldn't get to me. But that's that's that was one of the wrecks and that was the first one where we didn't know where he disappeared to. Yeah. But that whole horse just sat there just like a dog. <laughs> we carried uh, little short uh, tie ropes. What were they no. about, about that long? All the cowboys pack them, you know. Mm-hmm. I anyway, they're they're made out of uh, the remains of of uh, the lariat that was busted. Mm-hmm. So you un, undo it, and once it's hard, you know, but once twisted, real hard. But afterwards, when you unravel it, it's soft. When you braid it, when you braid it back. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can tie. Uh, you you just put it underneath your your belt. Pull it up, and you just jerk that out and tie the critter. Up. And then when when you want to get it loose, all you have to do is pull one end, and it'll come right off. We had some wild ones that still had horns that were, well, we'd cut the horns off, but in the corral. Yeah. So you get your horses, so we'd get them in there and throw them down and then tie, their, tie both feet and get all the guys and horses out of the corral. And you can go over and loosen them, and that give you time to get to the fence and get out. 
by the time they got up. But them wild ones, they'd be hot. Nice. They'd be ready to get up. <laughs> and then, but if you had them with some other cattle and they settled overnight, you could go up and ride in the corral. They'd stay away from you, but they wouldn't charge you anymore. And, but you'd have to, you'd have to put somebody in front, and and especially when they were broke to lead, they'd come out and as long as you was there in front of them. In fact, sometimes they would be the best leaders. Because they, that some of them wild ones would come right up and get right behind your horse, and just tag you, and all the rest of them would follow them, and you could take them right off. Go right off. Mm-hmm. Huh. How long would you spend up there at a time when you would go? Did you would you have to stay was, for a while, or would you? As long as it was necessary, I guess. We'd ride all of October, and then mm-hmm. when you'd get a load to bring in, you'd have to come off. Turn the cows loose on the bench, load the calves, take them in, get them settled, and then. Yeah. yeah. Now, towards the end, uh, Mel Brooks helped us a lot because we would come in at night, kick the calves off in Mel's place, and then go. He would weigh them, decide how much he was going to pay me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and I I had total trust in him, and so that way we didn't have to. We never took videos and. You know, because we had smaller cattle, and and, uh, and we never had to feed them. We just bring them in, dump them off the mail, and then we'd turn around and go back down. Now, when I was working still sawmill, I'd take a Friday and Monday, so I'd have four days. So I didn't I didn't go to church in October. Or June. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. So mail helped us a lot, Mel Brooks. Cool. Yeah. Delane, what what would you say the coolest place you've ever been horseback is? I I always like hearing people's answer to that too. The coolest place you've ever been on a horse. Oh. I know one place it was bad one time was on the on the mountain the Roger uh, was trying we was trying to get out of there and he had uh, go through a lot of lava lava rock I don't know how those horses were able to walk in there but we managed to get out. So would you say that was the funnest place or funnest ride? What was the funnest place or one you enjoyed the most? Oh, the worst. The worst that ride. The worst. <laughs> so it wasn't the coolest, it was the worst place. Uh. <laughs> so if you had if you had a choice to go ride your horse today, where would you go? Any place on the mountain or down the desert or up on oh, the I'd I'd like to ride up Jacobs Valley. Where they, they go from Cow Puncher and ride up through Pardon. there and go by Jubilee and up to Jacobs Valley. Barney's like Cabin. Or Barney's Camp. Or oh, yeah. He likes that. Cool. What would you say, what's the, the biggest lesson you've learned either in your life or through running cows? 
Oh, I see, each one's different. So, so you have to handle them differently. So I don't know how that come out. Anything you learned personally from uh, one of your experiences on top? Tell them about prayer. Huh? Did we used to pray much up there? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you used to say about the angels? The reason we had to pray. <laughs> he said, angels, not all, not all angels wear shafts. <laughs> so when we would pray, if, especially if we knew we had wild cattle to handle <laughs> See, our prayers were not like, bless us and we'll harm an accident happen to us. Yeah. It was like, bless the horses, bless the dogs. Yeah. Bless us and we'll know what to do. And so, and he always said, the angels, they don't all wear shaps. And so you had to be detailed in oh, your prayers. Uh, I like that. Ralph Chanel. Chanel. Chanel was with us one time. And... Uh, he was kind of surprised that we uh, blessed the horse. And when he got to thinking about that, why he knew that was the first thing he should be doing. Yeah, because you wouldn't be able to do any bless, of that without a good horse, huh? Bless that horse. Bless that horse and a good dog. Dog is worth five riders anytime I don't know how they we were up in a big sagebrush flat and I was, we were trying to catch three heifers and I don't know how the dog could keep track of three by running around and catching their sand but she'd go catch one there's this little dog right here Sammy we Sammy got her, we got her from Delta Fever she come off the sandy ranch and she was basically a hill dog but if she got after wild ones she'd pick one that had a that wasn't earmarked, we called them long eared. And she'd run and grab that ear. And if they're running downhill, then sit down. Sit down. She could flip a cow. And That's cool. Mm-hmm. But she could she could stop a, a full grown bull by herself. But she'd grab them by the hawk. And, and yeah. that kind of paralyzes them. Yeah. As long as they don't chew them too much. But. Yeah. Yeah, the n- nerve would, would be bothered so that they never had any feeling. Yeah. So we had to be careful not let them chew on them yeah. too much, you know. But there were times when dogs actually saved their lives. Yeah. Dad was coming out of the coming out of Rock Creek one time and they'd they'd roped a, the dogs had got a bull. They didn't break him to lead, but every time he'd leave they send the dogs down, and they, they had four dogs. They had a dog on each ear and one on each hawk. And the dog, the bull would come back to the herd to get rid of the dogs. And when he'd leave, why well, they'd send the dogs. Well, anyway, they started up in a real narrow place. <coughs> up till that started. There's it was on a little narrow uh, place. And this is on the other uh, side of the field. And, and this the is, there's a we little spring, and it was kind of slick. And thing and and uh, and we got right there that that uh, bull turned to 
uh, to force his way. I was caught. I didn't. I didn't know whether to stay on, jump off, or what. So you met uh, head on. So. So what happened was, was the dog. The dog uh, stopped. Yeah, the dogs piled on the bull before oh, he could get to it. That's cool. They done it so much that the, the bull finally uh, was able to just handle. We could handle the bull without any pro problem. Well, do you think you could have done all the things that you did if it weren't for the dogs? No. <laughs> no, the... Those those dogs was, those dogs knew what they were doing and yeah they would if the dogs knew what they were worth they would have had a strike up there we would <laughs> you know, all they got was biscuits and ramen noodles <laughs> we uh Chad shot a bull out in the Spencer one time hit him in the neck and stunned him. He was down and we got scattered but we could hear where he was because the dogs. We finally got over there and he was Chad was a little ways away from maybe here from the car from the bull and bulls laying down and so we were telling stories where they'd gone and before he finally got back together. Well meanwhile the bull got up and took us and we were just like a bunch of quail when they scattered. <laughs> I bet. But it was in an area where it was, so there was a lot of downfall, real thick trees and downfall. And it was, I was afraid we were going to get, one of us going to get pinned against one of them dead trees. Because he was a full-grown bull. He was, he was acting like he'd never been hit. So I had the bright idea to get off. There was enough trees there. I felt like I could get behind a tree if the bull got after me. And I took Dad's 30-30. I said, you guys take the horses and move back out of the way so we can't get to you. Yeah. And, uh, and the dogs had the bull. He was he was fighting the dogs. There's about three dogs on him there and he was fighting them. And it's about from here to your, out your car out here. So I shuffled one in, stepped out and put it on him and he saw him and he whirled and took me and he was, and he was a Hereford bull. So they had the big old white target and I, I remember thinking this, how close am I going to let him get before I drop him? When I pulled the trigger, it just went click. Oh, no. <laughs> Dad had a Marlin 3030 that had a safety down by the thing that I forgot about. Had double safety. Double safety. So when I went click, all I could do is whirl and run. And so I was holding the rifle in the air. <laughs> Instead of finding a tree, there was a big sarvisberry bush there. Now, they grow, they're tight here, and then they grow out like this. And a guy has to, or a horse has to go around, but a bull can go, he can cut in. And I remember running, thinking, he's going to get me, he's going to get me, he's going to get me. And about that time, then four dogs piled on him and, and spun him around. Kept him from getting to me. He, he would have got me, just short of work. Spun him around, and then he went down in the trees, and was like over on the lawn, and I stepped out. But then I knew what I'd done wrong, and mm -hmm. stepped out. I shot him in the ribs. Yeah, I, but he dogs piled on to... Uh, 
Sardis Bay, guys. And, and so, uh, so to get away from the. You're child. talking about another time. Huh? You're talking about the time we brought the bull off the top? Probably. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Let me tell the first part. Okay. We had a little bull that we started off and he got mad and we had other cattle after he was mad at us. So he wouldn't watch the other cows. All he wanted to do was fight us. Yeah. So we tried to back off and other cows had started off and we finally got him going and got his mother behind him. So he was still running with his mother, but he was coming too. And he started down the steep part, uh, that lower trail, and, and then he turned around. All he wanted to do was fight us. So I had the big idea of getting off and and it's on a slope so I walked across above him and got my rope and then throw down and got his head and jerked his head around thinking well once he saw the other cows he would go well <laughs> he came up after me oh. so I started running on the side of the 50 there and I fell down now when you get up first thing in the air is your hind end and that's what he hit no <laughs> And it scared me so bad, if it had been a ledge, I'm sure I'd jumped off from it. So I bound down, and I jumped and landed on my back on one of these big service berry bushes. And that's what Dad's talking And I was, I was holding him, stay there, stay there. And I was trying to get off, and he was bouncing. And I, was like, I, I knew that bull was going to come after me. So he pulled out his 30-30. And then the bull... Then the stopped so I didn't have to shoot but I was down lower behind a little rock wall and I just laid the the gun down on on top top there just rested in case he decided to take me I'd shoot him but as long as he Minded his business, I wouldn't do it. Well, he made a little, little move like he was going to take me, and and that made me jerk a little bit. And I pulled the trigger and hit him right between the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so he started rolling downhill. Yeah. And we both run over and grabbed the rope. And hold him, put it <laughs> him, stop, and tied him off, and then we butchered him there. Yeah. And we that was in November, Thanksgiving oh. time. <laughs> you had some any, any one, yeah, Any of them that you uh, shoot in, in the summertime, you, you can't eat them because they eat uh, them wild. Onions, and it's in the meat. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Huh, I've never heard that before. Yeah, the yeah. wild onions would grow under the trees. Yeah. That'd be the first thing they grow, especially in the spring. And sometimes yeah. you could be chasing one, getting ready to rope it, and you could smell the breath. It'd be like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it just smelled like you'd smell. run over a skunk or something. Yeah, it's really strong. That's cool. Smell their breath. Yeah. They're real strong. Yeah. They like them more. You could, you could eat them. 
<laughs> it just wasn't they were that kind good. Of hot, but they were kind of thin. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that one time there where he went around to to shoot it, and uh, I don't know what happened to him, but he got caught. And uh, when I was looking for him, why, here he came running around as hard as he could go. And that bow was right behind him. <laughs> and how'd you get away from that? Dogs. Oh, dogs the dog. on Dogs got him. <laughs> Sounds like you guys had some fun times up there. Well, they. I had a green shirt on, and I, I, that's what I first thing I think of is I had that green shirt, and we we finally got home and shot the bow and got home and sat down to eat, and then the guys just start to laugh. You know, they could see me running around the can't hold that barrel, and I wouldn't shoot anybody. <laughs> I didn't I didn't I didn't have time to turn and shoot the bow. I just had to run. Yeah. But because of that big sarsberry bush, I knew he was going to get me. <laughs> yeah. Dogs, they knew too, and they got it. They bailed on him. And a lot of those experiences were serious, but but uh, we enjoyed uh, laughing about it after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing funnier than a, somebody being. Yeah. I'm Somebody sitting here else. smiling as you're telling the story, feeling kind of bad for smiling, but... Getting bucked off and, and getting hooked. Those are the two funniest things that happened. Yeah. yeah. Makes for a good show. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Gene got bucked off once because he had a little short couple horse and he leaned forward and hooked him in the flank. But Gene was kind of shy, so he, he chose to get thrown off behind a tree where nobody got to see it. <laughs> We saw him go behind the tree, and then the horse came out, and Gene, he was getting up other custom to the horse. So did the, did the three of you run that together as long as you had it? Yeah, the three of us uh, uh, started. You started yeah. it. But once you sold uh, upward coffins, above coffins, they had a field up there, they sold that. Okay. And they... Once they paid the debt off, then they divided, divided it up. Each other. They run together, but they had their own cattle. Oh, okay. Market. So before it was all together, uh -huh. and after that yeah, they kind of. B seven or something like that what was. The, yeah, they had the, you had the, They had to brand so many calves back to Bailey's, and then the extra ones they put a B seven on. Okay. And then. Put her own brand. And after they pretty soon they got their own brand. Still run together. When you think about the 50, is there one particular memory or one particular thing that stands out to you? Or is it just all blurred together? Well, there's a lot of, a lot of experiences that we had. Uh, It was just fun being up there, just uh, to be riding up there. Because you were like on top of the world. You yeah. got up there, see everything was in the distance. You were up on the plateau. Yeah. And, and even in the evening when you come in and turn your horse loose, 
it was fun to just sit there and watch them go roll and then start feeding off. And it was an evening time. Those kind of feelings that you had, you know, that you had over and over. I mean, you had the excitement of breaking something to leave, but just being up there and the smell, and even the old crows had a little chortle that they'd make, you know. Yeah. So yeah, evening time was up there, and then, of course, we would tell stories all night. Him and Uncle Gene, Uncle Cease would start telling stories, and we would hear the same stories every year and laugh just as hard, you know. They, they, they had quite a knack to tell stories about people in town. I, a lot of the history I learned was was down there, you know. So being in the cabin tonight was fun. Yeah. Sourdough biscuits was fun. Riding good horses was fun. Running through the sagebrush where they'd have to jump. Horse had to have a pretty good chest on him to run level in sagebrush. Otherwise, they'd try to jump it. You, you couldn't stay on. Uh, we'd pick pinets up there when the good years. And, I think that it's stories like that and experiences like that that made me want to do this. Oh, really? Because I yeah. just think that everybody has so many cool stories sitting around the campfire or sitting yeah. in a cabin with their grandparents or their dads yeah. or and just listening to the stories, and that's what made me decide to do this was to hear some of those same kind of stories and kind of help keep them going so thanks for agreeing to talk to me (laughs) yeah you laugh about some of their mistakes where they got into trouble but after it's over with then then it's funny yeah yeah you can laugh about it later (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> one, one of the stories, I haven't told you much about the desert, but one of the stories uh, at the Soda Cabin, uh, we were sleeping there, and, and all of us was there. There was Gene, Dad, and I, and, and I don't know, there was somebody younger there, whether that was Mark or Cesar, maybe he was Daryl. Anyway, we were inside the Soda Cabin, and at night we could hear a big rat over in the little pile. Of course, that woke everybody up. <laughs> Gene, he had some books there, and he was chucking over there at the sound, and you could hear it kind of go around, right here, underneath past it. And anyway, so I had a flashlight, and I was the only one who had a flashlight, and I flipped that light on there, and it was a skunk. Oh, no. And everybody yelled. <laughs> he up, grabbed his sleeping bag. Hold the light. That heck with you. And made it all. Everybody run for the door and left that skunk. Uh, oh, and then no. later, Dad went down there and had the 22 and kind of pushed the door open. This was a week or two later. And the skunk was in on the table, right? Yeah. And he shot him on the table. <laughs> oh, how mean, long did that cabin stink oh, after that? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It seemed to, I don't, next time I was there, I think it was okay. But, <laughs> but it, you know, I'll tell you what, everybody emptied. It was out of there in a flash. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So did you guys still have, were you, did you guys still have that permit when the cabin got burned down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty sad. That's where I spent my honeymoon. And that old cabin was taken down there from town. That's where his mother was born. Oh, cool. So we had a lot of history with that old cabin. 
That's cool. And so it was back when, when he got burned down. Was it just somebody? Somebody from California. They, that cop actually made him coming out, but didn't have any reason to detain him. He had a bunch of gas things in the back, like, of course, anybody could do. They tried to, they, they tracked him clear to California and tried to pin it on him, but they couldn't. Do you think they'll ever rebuild one down there? Uh, I don't know. They had a chance, and then last I heard, JS Park Service was given a brief. It just depends oh. on. It's not the Park Service, the BLM, or even the Forest Service. It's the individuals that are inside. Yeah. Uh, they can they can make things good or they can make things bad. That's the sad part. So it's individuals, even though we say BLM or we say Park Service. They're good people and all those things. And if they can surface, if you're lucky enough to get them surface. Yeah. Uh, you got Monument right now. you got Harry Barber over it, and he's, he's a good guy. He's fair. He goes by the rules. Mm-hmm. He won't he won't, uh, bre- he won't bend the rules for you. But uh, he'll give you as much information as he just make it work for you and that type of thing. So uh, a good guy, really good guy. That'd be cool if they could get one back there. I just think it'd be neat to get it, like, before the history of one even being there is gone. Yeah. Yeah. But they'll probably have to, you know, they could probably do one out of these storage units. If I, if, if I had it and I was going back, I'd get a storage unit, insulate them, because they can get pretty hot. I had a trailer down there, and uh, I had windows open, so it vent. People come and poke those out and even shoot the lock with their pistols they were people pretty abusive to the station but uh, it, it was it was hot enough down there that I had candles in the drawers and it melted the candles that's how hot it was during the summer holy cow so you had to have so if you had a storage unit you'd have to have insulated one of those turbine things on top mm-hmm. take your hot air out and, and then maybe be okay it was in the winter time you'd be on the desert uh, even in December, be maybe a heavy uh, shirt on and ride on our end, and uh, the grass would be green first of March. And uh, you'd look up that old snowy 15 and say, "Man, that's the last place I want to be." And then on summer, you'd be on the edge of the 50, look down the desert, and go, "Oh, man, that's the last place I want to be." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the seasons. I mean, it was fun to ride on the desert. We enjoyed that. Especially if you got a little rain, and uh, we we enjoyed that. First time uh, uh, I went upon there was with uh, old uh, Leo Leo Wilson. They hired me. They hired me to go down and and drive. Wiener calves for sale, and so him and and uh, his partner, Clark Vader, and uh, Clark uh, hired James Alvey to to go help me, and that was a good experience to be spend few nights with with an old timer like that. Yeah. And what was his James name? James would be James Alvey. His he was Arnold Alvey's dad. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, good, good man, but a lot of, I could ask him a lot of different story, uh, questions and, and he could, uh, he could tell me a lot of things. How old were you when you would go with him? Oh, I was a teenager. Uh, How old was he when you took the bucks up on the 50, the first time you went up on the 50? Oh, well... The, that was that in December? Well, that's the... That was the first time I went, went up the mud hole. Up the mud hole. Yeah. They'd stay up on mud holes till uh, it uh, snowed out on Grand Bench, and then they'd take the sheep off. Okay. So sometimes they'd be up there in December. Wow. <laughs> so tell them about... Well, you and mule and he'd never been up there. I went up alone. Alone? Well, they hired me to... How old was he then? I was about 18, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. The, the old Walt Walls uh, hired me instead of a, an older man. Had to be your looks. So what happened when you took the buck sheep up? Oh, I had to herd him a while before we put him in with the herd. This and is after you got on top? After we got on top. And uh, I had one of them southern storms. Who was, so, who was up there camping then? Harvey Liston and, and who else? And Bob Wilsey. Bud Wilsey? Bob. Oh, Bob Wilsey. Bob Wilsey. That'd be Linda Barnson's dad. Okay. Yeah. Bob Wilsey. Yeah. Yeah, then. So what was, was this in December or was it earlier? It was uh, 23rd of uh, December. December. Yeah. Okay, what happened when the storm came? Well, I got to playing around with, uh, I'd say, I don't know why anybody can't always tell where north is and west. And, and I got to playing with that. And I'd, I'd concentrate in a certain direction and I could make it look like north <laughs> and I just muddled myself up and so when the snowstorm came I stayed out a little bit too, too long I should have brought the bucks in and crept Crowd them because we was at mud holes and, and there was a crail there at the spring. Anyway, I was riding a little, uh, a little gray mule. It 
we didn't get along very good, me and that little Mira. He, he uh, had his way of doing things, and, and I had my way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd see some deer, and I'd jerk the 30-30 out and start fire, and and then after the firing is over with, I, I couldn't put the gun back on him. I'd ha I had to take the saddle off, put the gun in the scabbard, and then throw the saddle back on. <laughs> and that get, got a little monotonous. But anyway, this this one time when it started to snow, I stayed a little longer than what I should have done. And uh, when, when we started to leave, why well, I, I I couldn't uh, I didn't know where the trail was because it was covered up with snow. And. Uh, So hunting for it for a long while, and I finally gave up. And because uh, my dad said, "You ever get lost out on the in the desert or the mountain, uh, out in the uh, snow storm where you can't see nothing." Turn your rider, your horseman, loose, and just get off and turn him around a little bit. Stand there a little bit, a little bit, and then get back on. Just he'll let him go, and he'll take you out. Well, that's after I'd tried and tried. And I knew it was getting late, and I couldn't find anything. And I don't know where I went. I I must have went in the wrong direction because uh, when I finally give up and turned the mirrors, why it seemed like it took me a long time his way out of there and so I can remember getting off and letting, letting the view go and uh, even with all that snow on the ground he, he'd hold his nose down close to the ground. I think he was hunting for the trail. And uh, once he once he found the trail, then he had that little swing walk. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, and so after after a bit, well. 
thinking now some of those uh one them guys herded sheep down there they they roped some of them wild horses and years. I wonder if that's if this that's where that mule come that I was riding and would he take me in grand banks <laughs> 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 is he going to take me to camp or is he going to take me to where he was raised? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. I, I was worried. But anyway, he was, uh, he was uh, traveling pretty good this one time. And, and uh, so I knew he was on the trail. And uh, But I didn't know where and uh, one, at one time, when he was really a traveler, why a dog barked up above. That's where camp was. Oh. That's how, but he wasn't going to camp. No, I said he must have been thirsty and he was going over to the spring. Which trail went right through the Llewellyn Spring. And uh, he said, No. Harvey. Harvey listened to me. No. He was going to ask Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> he was getting off that mountain. <laughs> he said, If that dog hadn't have barked, he'd have took you right off of the mountain and, and uh, Town, you'd been riding all night long. Gosh. (laughs) 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 That would have been something. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was quite a quite a mule. Well, thank you for sharing all of those with me. It's been fun to visit with you. Yeah, thank you for recording. Well, guys, that concludes the second episode of our Cowboy Stories podcast. Thanks for listening. If you know anybody who would like to be interviewed to be on one of the episodes, please feel free to email me at cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. (laughs) 